Welcome to Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined on the phone, I have Todd Young. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Um, this broadcast is brought to you by Fatty Z Muskie Products. You heard us say it. You can go to fattyzmuskie.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. And you can check us out at all those locations. We're going to talk a lot about trolling today, so I'm not going to do the big spiel I normally do about the rod holders. Um, but if you're looking for some baits, Muskie Tackle Online and Team Rhino Outdoors will have them, should have them. And, you know, I'm going to just, I'll say this much about the rod holders. Any questions about boat setups, feel free to reach out and I can uh, break down options and give advice on your exact situation. Um, I'm going to leave that there for the plugs. We're going to talk a lot. I've already said that. How's Muddy Creek? Muddy Creek Fishing Guys, mcfishingguides.com. Everything's good here. We are just about, just about everything's filled that we're going to do here in 2019. I do have a day that popped open the 29th, October 29. Uh, I'll do it. That's next Tuesday. Very short notice, but uh, yeah, I'll do it if we get somebody to call. If not, I will take the day and start wrapping things up at camp because I'm only going to go about another week after that. But uh, yep, fishing's been good. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun. Clients have been having a lot of fun. We appreciate everybody that's came fishing with Vance and I this year. And uh, 2020 books are open. I probably already got 20 some days. <laughs> I advanced it the same way. So, uh, you know, we never really opened them up this early before, but we had a lot of people missed out last year, didn't get to get the baits that they really wanted. So, got a few other people that already know their vacation time. They're going to be getting back hold of me. So, man, if you know when you're coming or you got a specific time, you want to come up and fish with us get a hold of us. We're ready to go. We'll get you on the books for 2020. Uh, but we, that's a long ways away. <laughs> oh, yeah. kind of odd to be booking trips a year in advance, but I have people rebooking for October and that's, that just seems weird, but, uh, a lot can happen in that time. But well, I mean, you guys, you guys there. fill up yeah. the dates. So if you want it, you might as well pick it. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yep. Our plans are to be out there in Ranger boats from Vic's Sports Center. Uh, big thanks to Ranger and Vic's for helping us uh, get into these great rides. Uh, Vic sells a, all kind of uh, all the Rangers. He's got the aluminum series. He's got the uh, all the glass series, the bass boats, Starcraft, Starwell. They service all the major engines, Yamahas, Mercs. Uh, so get a hold of those guys for their service. They have a nice big. Uh, Nice big new building there, and uh, they're they're always busy. They always uh, always have a lot going on. Every time I've been there to do to get service or get something done on the boat, you know, just about every day I've been there, a tractor trailer pulls in and unloads boats. It's incredible. Uh, they just have a giant fork truck and they lift off these giant Rangers and put the tires on them, and it's like a pit it's like a pit stop for the truck drivers. It's incredible, but uh, Really need to see those guys really know what they're doing and, uh, you know, they can really help you out. Uh, so get a hold of those guys. If you're looking for a boat, we're going to be fishing. Also, if you come to the charters with us, we're going to be using St. Croix rods for sure. Pretty much, I think every rod I got in the boat now is a St. Croix. I used to have a couple old all-stars, but they finally, 17, 18 years in, they've bit the dust. So uh, big, big thanks to St. Croix rods, the Mojo Trolling Series. 
separate casts and with the different, you know, the different, uh, Oh, Andy, what's the names of premiums or, well, you, uh, you have some uh, premieres that I, you I like. Tor- yeah, yeah. Yeah. The premieres, the, uh, I even used some of the triumphs, uh, the seven, six triumphs. We've been throwing those. I mean, it's just a lot easier to handle somebody that's never, never handled, uh, these big rods beforehand and that's seven, six triumphs. And, uh, there's some tournament series rods in the mix. So all kind of St. Croix rods to look at if you come out fishing with us. So get a hold of them. Also shout out to Baker Bates. Got a real nice one the other day on Baker's. I know a couple of friends of mine did too. I know Vance got quite a few on Baker's recently, uh, which we always do. So uh, big thanks to Zach Baker. Where are we going from here, my brother? We are going to be going (laughs) with your old school yo-yo. That Yo-yo goes, up, down, in, That goes up, down. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah, with the uh, Muskie's Inc. Muskie's Inc. Muskie's Inc. What do you think? Yo-yo. <laughs> Get a hold of your local chapter. They got chapters all throughout the country, 70-some chapters, I believe. Uh, I think it's real important to get involved with your with your chapter. If you're a Muskie fisherman, there's nothing bad can become of, you know, sending them in your the cost of an annual membership is about the same as the cost of half of a bait nowadays. Uh, you're going to get a magazine bi-monthly, so you're going to get like six magazines, access to the lunge log. You know, you can meet some really neat people there. You get you get people of all, you know, our club has people that do it professionally. We have people that join the club that have never caught a muskie yet, and you can get a lot. Most, most of these chapters have different, uh, at the meetings, you know, they'll have different speakers. Lots of neat stuff going on with your muskie and clubs. It's a good sounding board to get things done within your local uh, fisheries. You know, uh, there, there's a little power in the, in the numbers and, and uh, power behind muskies, Inc. Being able to, you know, present things, whether it's a size limit increase, whether it's a, I think most states have had, have had that happen now. You know, the days of Pennsylvania, two fish, 30 inch size limit, uh, that, 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 I don't know how many states are left that, that have stuff like that going on. There's not many. <laughs> yeah, let's let's you talk know. about that that size limit real quick because I remember looking in the in the old books when I was a little mm-hmm. boy and I would see that and I didn't quite understand the way they did it. I thought it was like pike and musky, you're allowed two pike, twenty four inch or bigger, one musky, or like two fish combined or something like it was weird, like you could have one pike and one musky. I, I never remember being that way. I mean, I just always remember being there. Your pike had to be 24 inches and you keep two. Muskies had to be 30 inches you keep two. Okay. Uh, and and it could have just been the way I was remembering because I was young. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm looking at mm-hmm. – I in fact, my boy just found in my old Lego set a 1989 fishing regulation book that I had when I was a boy. Yeah. I would have been five years old. Mm-hmm. Probably – I was out, I was out of college, yeah. Yeah. And uh, – Working. But, you know, like, yeah, I, I like to kind of break some of this stuff down now. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just say catching catching a muskie back in 1989 was probably a lot harder than it is in 2019. Do yeah, you, do you the think last that, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. It was even much harder if you go back to like 79. Yeah, I wouldn't. That's, you know, that's that's when there was just no catch and release. By 1989, there was a lot of catch and release going on. But your you know, your equipment sucked compar- comparatively to what it is now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were probably still. I mean, 
what kind of line were you running back then? Well, 89, I was running Cortland, probably Muskie Master. You know, I did have, you know, we had up, you know, I was using St. Croix long, you know, in the 79, I was using like a pistol grip <laughs> mm-hmm. with a not that high end reel. <laughs> uh, you know, trolling wasn't anything that we did. We didn't have trolling poles set up by 89. I did have like a you know, trolling setups and I wasn't trolling with my Abu Garcia anymore because it had a clicker 6,500. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I just, you know, to, to catch a 30 inch muskie back there, probably back in that day was probably a bigger accomplishment than say catching a 36 or 38 now. Yeah. I mean, the, the area used to fish in Canada in Ontario there, it was two fish a day. They had to be 28 inches. Hmm. Uh, up until I don't know the dates, but you know, that's moved. I think now those lakes we fish, I think it's a 44 inch size limit. Not that anybody keeps them, but you know, I know they got that change from the two 28 inches. And I got, I've said it many times before. I got lots of pictures of me standing there holding, holding my two and they weren't in the boat. They were at the flay house. Mm-hmm. Got my limit, you know, mm-hmm. big deal. <laughs> 28-inch muskies now look we're so little. Well, they are. <laughs> yeah, they're they're juveniles. They're very much juvenile. Yeah, they look so little. Um, on the topic of muskies, Inc., well, we're kind of moving on yep. a little bit. Uh, how was that casting tournament this past weekend? Hey, I had a great time. I got to fish all day, the first time all season. Uh, we did we did not have any action. Uh, but we, we saw some fish. Uh so I was fishing with had a real nice one come up, opened his mouth, he turned it, and it turned away on the eighth. But uh, they had a good turnout, I think, for a tournament of that magnitude. You know, it was hundred dollar entry fee and casting only. They had forty some people fish it, which I it was more than I expected. I think they I think they said forty six people. There were quite a few fish caught. There was a couple, a lot of small fish, which is what I anticipated. You know, there just wasn't hasn't been a lot of big fish action in those weeds you know i know some guys that caught three or four or five fish and you know biggest one being a low to mid 30 uh there was a 49 caught fellow from the new york chapter caught a chad lupa 49 he got a couple smaller ones too it was a 48 and three quarter there's only two real big ones i mean i didn't see anything i didn't hear anything other than that so those couple real big fish showed up for guys and uh you know a lot of smaller fish i sort of was anticipating that and some areas that i i i i, I fished a bunch of areas that i really haven't fished all season because the way the scoring was i was looking at this i was like you know i think you could you can only do three fish so you know like a 32 a 31 and a 33 the way the scoring was like a 43 inch would have beat that so it was so, it was extremely heavy on length yeah, it was like, I think it was four points for the fish and a point per inch. So, okay, you know, a 30 gets you four points. A 31 gets you five points. That's nine. Well, a 40 gets you 15. Or, four, or 14, 10. You get 10. You get one point per inch. Mm-hmm. So that can wipe them out. So my thinking was, I'm going to go hit some areas that this time of year, traditionally, I've caught some really big fish not maybe my best numbers areas. And we hit a bunch of 
nice weed beds. I mean, I did, I did fish them enough that I knew the weeds were nice and everything. And we did, uh, it was also very interesting. It was the first day of dock season and the fog was incredible. So I did not, my plans changed once I launched the boat because we really couldn't go anywhere <laughs> till about nine 30. But, uh, yeah, there were BBs flying everywhere. Uh, we were just out off the weed edge, which is like in, if, if people could see, it would be in shooting range from the shore. And uh, we were we were out there in this fog and just sort of throwing. And uh, every time I'd hear like duck calls or ducks quacking, I was like, I hope that's a real duck, not a hunter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I found out, you know, after a little bit, I was like, oh, that's somebody hunting. So I like got on a trolling motor and buzzed forward buzzed up the weed bed so I wasn't sitting right in front of them. Sure enough, numerous times that, you know, that really startles you when they unload, unload their shotguns. But uh, yeah, the visibility was terrible. Were there pellets raining around you? Oh yeah. Yep. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I've got pelted many times out here when that happens, but this was odd because it was, there was no visibility. You know, I, if I saw somebody, if I saw someone that had decoys set up and they were rock hunting, I would not pull right in front of them, but I couldn't see them. They couldn't see us. They probably had no idea we were out there either. So, and at, you know, 60, 70 yards, I, those babies would hurt. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. We, yeah, we really laid low for a while. Tried to pick an area where I thought no one will be hunting here, but you know, on Chautauqua Lake, as long as you're in the water, you can hunt as, as build up as this place is. So wait, guys were hunting all over the place. The, there's like a trillion dollars in development around this lake. And if you're, if you're toe deep in water, you're legally allowed to hunt. They can't say if you're shooting out on the lake. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's crazy to me because of the safety zone that we're used to in Pennsylvania, but there's something, there's some rule about it. You can pull in front of the biggest mansion on this lake. You can pull your boat in and throw the anchor out and start blasting at ducks. Do you need to be in a in a in a boat, or can you just like jump out of your boat and literally? Just... I think you could, I think you'd be standing in the water too. You know, obviously, there's very few places you could access by land to walk down and, and stand there. You know, and then uh, a lot of people hunt the state parks too, so you're not allowed to hunt in the state park, but you're allowed to walk walk through the state park, and as long as you're standing out in the water, you're allowed to hunt there. Water has different regulations, but anyhow. It was, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. It is. It was. It, it, yeah, it is. I, I, I used to duck hunt. I loved it. I don't get to do it anymore because, uh, you know, we're, we're chartering right through it, but, uh, it was a lot of fun, but should talk was not a place that I ever thought like, wow, I'd really like the duck hunt here. You know, we're used to going into swamps and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. They hunt everywhere here. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. All the big houses and everything that's going on. But, um, yeah, so we, we 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 never had a I we didn't get a bite, you know. Had some follows, had some of that, and uh, the way it goes. When some sometimes you get the bear, sometimes the bear gets you. The bear got us. Hmm. Old saying from old saying from uh, Dale Wiley's father used to say that all the time. Darn, bear got us. We didn't do any good, but I had fun fishing, and it made me realize that I should probably jump into some of these local tournaments every once in a while just because i did enjoy it i recharge the batteries a bit 
yeah, I got to go fishing, you know, instead of watching everybody fish. <laughs> yeah. I was getting tired at about three, you know, right towards the end there. My back was hurting. I haven't casted like that all season. I casted more today than I don't fish with my clients. Uh, a lot of guys do, but I, I don't, you know, I, I, I mean, if I have one guy, then I'll fish. Most of the time, I just, I, I watch them, you know, I don't feel that it's my. So, like, if you, you really know. needed to boil it down and someone asked you, in simplest terms, what do you do? You could say, I drive a boat for people. I take people fishing, yes. <laughs> I drive the boat, <laughs> yeah. I drive the boat trolling. And when the rod goes off that reel, man, and when I'm casting, I just drive the trolling motor. Mm -hmm. That's funny. All right, and wrapping up these plugs, mark your calendar, March 7th and 8th, Muskie Max Plus, Cannonsburg, Ohio. Check it out, muskymax.com. All right, so recently it's been a huge flurry of activity um, on my end with people having questions about trolling and setups and this and that, so um, a lot of people... I mean, a lot of people recently have been, you know, saying something to the effect that when they reach out uh, to me through any of the uh, any ways you can reach me, you know, they say they, you know, just started listening to the podcast. I've been listening this and that. And I just thought that, man, it's probably really fitting right now with with just the amount of rod holders orders being taken that maybe we'll just kind of touch on like what what trolling is to us. Uh, I'm just going to do a disclaimer right now. Everyone does it a little bit different. This is how we do it. This is some of our products. We're going to talk about other products. We're going to talk about, you know, boat setups and bait selections. And we're just going to give a basic overview. I'm going to say, you know, it's still in the middle of the fall fatty season. But, you know, as it kind of gets towards Christmas, you know, people might be thinking about Christmas gifts or whatever and boat setups and, you know, it's just going to be a cool little time to hit on this. So um, I'm going to probably say, like, you know, starting out, I mean, obviously trolling is a, I, I could blanket statement this by saying trolling is, is not casting. Casting is using the rod to throw the bait and bring it back in. And trolling is, I'd probably say it has to be, you know, the bait is, being pulled through a vessel, uh, whether it's human powered or mechanically powered. I, I mean, do you have a better definition than that to kind of start the framework? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're dragging base and uh, I've often said, you know, I've, I've said this all the time, you know, pull, you pull into a weed edge, you put your bait on, you're doing your thing when you're casting, whether you're fishing a rock, rock hump, you know, when you want to get deeper or shallower, you might grab a crankbait, you might throw a jerkbait, you might throw a spinnerbait. You know, trolling is trolling is way more involved than casting. It just is. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk we'll we'll bring we'll bring up those those like little details later for you know mm -hmm. for the people that might not think that it's really all that in depth. So you know, I'm going to just kind of break down some basic generalizations of rod holders. Um, rod holder could be as simple as you holding the rod. 
I mean, I've caught fish mm-hmm. holding the rod before. It's yep. it's a you, hoot. You are you are the holder. Yes, <laughs> it is a hoot when you're holding the rod and it goes off trolling. One thing that sucks is the rod not going off while you're holding it, because after a while you get tired. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've held it like across my lap under both arms before, and then I've realized yep. that I wouldn't mind having some kind of uh, you know rod holder <laughs> that yeah. would do this for me. Um, so, you know, depending on your boats that there, there are like in, in real life terms that, that I'm just going to start using brand names here, um, different styles of holders. You have like, I'd say some broad, broad brush strokes here, like the Scotties, the fish ons, those, those style holders that kind of have that locking ring. It's not mm-hmm. quite a tube. It's not quite a clamshell. Um, you can take, you slide it, you, you, it's like a tube that has like the top half cut out to where you can slide the rod in the reel sits in this slot and you can turn this ring and it locks it in. I mean, Todd, you fished with fish on yeah. for how many years? Oh, uh, 25. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I did it up until here seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Yeah. We'll talk about I, the reason why you switched, but let's talk, you know, <laughs> you, you'll... yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, in you know, certain ones, the, the plastics are made differently. Some of those are very durable, some aren't. Uh, they're they're simple. You put it in there and you go. You know, the big thing you want to check, you get into trolling, is how many rods. Every you know, the states have different. You go to Minnesota, go up into Ontario, you're only had one rod a man. Trolling is going to get very simple for you. Mm-hmm. you can work you can put you need a pole out each side if you're fishing with a buddy mm-hmm. so the, the, the very, very simple you can put all kind of crazy walking baits and you know whatever the baits want to do yeah um those fish ons like what you, you had a lot of success with with that brand correct mm-hmm. yeah i i never i never had one break yeah, and I had the base plate break, you know, but that's sitting. That was sitting. It was permanently mounted to rails on my boat, and there was times when I had that thing crack, but there was no failure. I mean, I never lost a rod in the water. I just had mm-hmm. to get a new, a new, new backer plate. But uh, yeah, I had I had great success. There, there was like a rivet in there. Sometimes that rivet would come loose, and I'd put a little carriage bolt in there. But yeah, I, I had great success. Other companies, you can't put speak it this for. way. All the other plastic rod holders that we attempted to use over the years we had failures with mm-hmm. everyone everyone that we tried you know they the 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 plastic wasn't the same yeah so so and i i like the locking collar style i'm just going to kind of mm-hmm. lump yeah. all of those in there i'm not going to break them all down mm-hmm. then you have tubes you have mm-hmm. the tube style and there are a whole host of different tubes and we'll break down these these differences later i just kind of want to put a base foundation here a tube is simply a a tube. tube. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Put the, put the butt of the rod in there and go. That's mm-hmm. right. Webster's definition of is a tube of a tube is a tube. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to where yeah, you put the rod butt in there, and to to remove it, you grab the rod and you slide it out the end, the opposite way of putting it in. Um, those you know that's a popular style for running planer boards, and uh, I'm gonna probably say number one job for those is like a planer board, whether it's an inline or a mass system. Then I'm going to um, 
bring up like a clamshell style rod holder. And the two that come to mind right off the bat are Down East and mm-hmm. Phobies. Um, mm-hmm. Phobies are, are, are different than Down East. I mean, obviously the material Phobie is a plastic. I'm, I don't want people yelling at me, a composite, whatever. It is a synthetic material. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have Down East, which is a die cast. It's a metal. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Down East, the clamshell, uh, essentially it's it's, um, it's a clamshell that has like four little tangs that you put a set of tangs uh, in front of the reel and one in the back. A phobie's similar um, with that only, but one side opens. The other stays kind of stationary. S- different, different design, similar concept. So those are, in my opinion, like the three three types of of rod holders. Now there's a whole host of ways that you can asphyxiate these, affix these, uh, not suffocate, um, these rod holders to your boat. You can have uh, various, all of these can be mounted in all of these these configurations. You can have them um, on a track, track system. Uh, You can find track like Cisco, Muddy Creek, Burt, Cannon, Traxtech, whole bunch. It's an extrusion you bolt down to your boat, and they slide in kind of like a T-slot. That's the best way that I can put it. Then there is a rail mount where it's an actual rail. It's The typical size is a 7 8 diameter, and you, I say the brand of boat that popularized the rail was Ranger. People will say Ranger Rails. Um, it is a stainless tubing that's bolted to the boat. It looks nice. You can grab onto it. You can put rod holders on directly onto that they clamp onto the rail you can uh let's see what else you got you can bolt them direct you can bolt them right to your boat some of them have flush mounts you can cut a hole in your boat and flush mount it on the gunnel some have face mounts all kinds of different mounts yep but essentially fastening it to your boat is another way and i'm going to say the third way um and the one that comes to mind the most is a down east s10 salty um, that has clamps. If you have a yep. boat that lends well, you can put this right on there. You tighten two wing bolts and it clamps onto the side of your boat. So you have the, and it's not permanent. So the four main ways is you can clamp on, you can bolt down, fasten down, I'm going to say. You can then have it on a rail or a track. Four basic yep. ways. Um, so there's three main styles that can be put to your vessel through four means of, um, I don't know, you know, Clamping, bolting, however you want to do it. So, you know, from there, there's a whole different pile of combinations that you can come up with. And, you know, the styles, we're going to talk about the styles. You know, we, we Todd had a lot of experience with those phobies. I had, a, I had some of those experience, I almost call them like tube styles. I had those... I believe they were Scotties, but they, when I bought them, they were from Cabela's, and Cabela's had branded them when I had my Erie boat. I had like 10. Okay. They call them the Quick Strikes. They're like a tube, but you can grab onto the rod and pull it straight to you, and it kind of like flops open. Mm-hmm. It, it would be a tube. and you know. But I was doing walleye with those, so it yeah. wasn't what we're really doing with muskies. But you know, to talk about you know the, the some of the differences here, we'll talk about like our product set and why, you know, I, I'd say that we're probably the only company 
really targeting the musky demographic with our style of rod holders. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I could just keep talking, but Todd, what, in your experience, what has separated our rod holders from all the other ones you've used? Okay. So right off the beginning, I mean, I had some permanent mounted, so, uh, like, so flush mounted, I had those fish ons mounted. You had a couple out the back. So I had them mounted to the, uh, essentially like the casting deck. They were mounted face forward, but you know, I, I couldn't tip those rods. So they were sticking up at a, probably a, I could, I would kick them out a little bit, but they weren't, they definitely weren't in the water. The tips of the rods were not in the water, you know, and then the two out the side, we had like a base plate thing that we put in there and then we, we, you mounted that to the boat and they were just out the side where you wanted. Well, real quickly, we were like, as soon as we saw, or I don't even who started doing it, uh, getting those rod tips into water makes a huge difference. Uh, especially where we're fishing, it's extremely weedy lake. So we wouldn't wanted to be able to tip these things. So initially you had these rods fixed in position. Yes. Is what you're saying is that they were bolted and because of this, the way the adjustments were on those rod holders, mm-hmm. where they were is where they were. The, where they were is where they were. I mean, you couldn't do much with them. You could, you, there's a knob on there. You can twist it and turn it a little bit, but to, you know, where they were. And the thing is that those, everything you had mounted, I mean, they, they were permanent mounted. So that just stayed right there. And I also had had experience, you know, I had, I had a 14 foot aluminum boat that I did a lot of fishing in and that was a clamp. I did, I did the clamps. You know, when we would be casting most of the day, I would have those set aside. Okay, let's go trolling. I would get those out. I clamped it to the boat, had those, had the, uh, the down Easts once again, you know, with the wing nut on there, the way they make them. And, you know, the position they were at was the position they were at. And we started running those, uh, we started getting rail mounts for everything. So I just essentially was buying grab rails the first the first ones i put on my boat i took them off of my uh <laughs> i took them off of my grandpa's old blazer a grab rail to that you grabbed onto it was mounted on the side of the truck so you you took it from a car to put on a boat i took it off of there it was a little one foot th- one foot handrail or grab rail put it on the boat and boom i could tip it then you know you just tightened them tightened them enough that they would stay stout but you could still tip them by grabbing the butt of the rod and that that was the first rails that i put on the boat and then you know the lund i had all rigged up with i had three rails three hand rails and i had them all positioned exactly where i wanted and you know for your down rod side rod and planer board rod all tippable yeah. So because obviously, like when I went to Canada, so obviously the down rod was way in the back side rod, and then the planer board. But when I would go to Canada, I would use the one that I was using for the planer board when I'm fishing around here, because it was right beside me. You only had one rod. Yeah. So I could I could really run that by being in the boat, uh, but but you know I I could still sit in the seat and run that rod if I chose to. Yeah. So okay. So you have this rail, and and the way that these rail mounts grab onto this is there's a there's a block on each side and there's bolts that go Mm -hmm. through and when you tighten it it just squeezes friction on the rail and what you were explaining was you can have the friction such that 
you can tip it with your muscle strength, but yeah. the bait alone will not work the rod to a different angle. So you yeah. just, you, you kind of tweak it into yeah. where it kind of needs to go. And that's what you were meaning by tipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. then uh, real quick, you know, to kind of clarify some stuff, I know what you were talking about, but I'm going to bring this one up. So the typical setup that we do is the rod closest to the engine off the side of the gunnel is our down rod. That rod uses is, is tipped the most. So mm-hmm. um, that rod is usually run close to vertical, straight down. The next mm-hmm. rod closest to the bow is the typical position for the out rod. The out rod is tipped a little bit. We like to run the tip in the water, uh, but it's not nearly as tipped as the down rod. The last rod, which is the closest to the driver's seat, is the typical position for a board, whether it's an inline board or a mast, um, typically an inline board. And that rod, that rod tips up higher than all the other ones to let the board, you know, run correctly. And what Todd was talking about was, so when he can run three rods a person, he'll do this symmetrically on each side of the boat. So two people can run six rods in that configuration. But when he was in Canada, he would not run the back two rod holders and he would just run the typical location of the planer board. Yeah. And then with with your rationale being, you can get to it just by turning around in the boat rather than having to get up should you have to clear mm-hmm. a weed or something like that. It's it's in reach. You could probably make yep. some minor adjustments just being that close to it. Okay, and uh, I know some 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 people. I never my my boat did not the way the windshield was. I couldn't do this, but I know Dale. He had one mounted like right beside him, so he's sitting there, and actually the rod, the butt of the rod, is sticking in between him and the steering wheel. In between him and the steering wheel, yeah, and he could sit there and you know tip that thing up and down. You could play with it if you got a weed. You could crank it in real quick, let it out. You didn't even have to stand up. So when you're running one rod a person, you essentially, you don't even have to get up. You can drive, play with the graph, Mm -hmm. steer, you know, uh, work the controls, let out line, reel in line. The only time you have to get up is go to the bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) Or get a fish, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And I had mine just right behind the seat. You know, I laid this out to put these rails on there because it's kind of permanent. They're not easy to move. So, you know, there was hours of, I know we talked about this long years ago on the podcast, hours of sitting in the boat. Where am I going to drill these freaking holes? Because yeah. That's, when you, yeah. So on a, on a fastener mounted rod holder or one, you have to add tracker rails. Anytime you're putting a screw hole in your boat, just remember it's a boat. It doesn't yeah. heal itself. Yeah. You're drilling through aluminum or into fiberglass. So. You know, and then how much tension, you know, I had, I had people pulling on the end of the rod, pulling it back. Oh, okay. It's still hitting the seat. I got to go back a little bit more, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I, so I had mine that it wasn't in front of me, but I could, I could still sit there, drive the boat and I could reach around, crank that weed in, shake it off. And I didn't even have to, I didn't have to get out of the seat, but it was just sort of right behind me. Uh, but you have to watch the, the placement of all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it uh, might it might lay out exactly perfect on your boat until you, like, put someone in it or you have to, like, work around it. And you're like, this is the worst place. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. You have to look at the people sitting in the back of the seat, you know, the second seat back, you know, that I was running with a lot. I don't run that second seat now because I have jump seats, but yeah, there was a lot going into the placement. Now I could have, we were just using little one foot rails, you know, the way to do it would be to get essentially what you're, you know, if you want to go with the rail system, essentially do get what Andy referred to. And I think everybody refers to as the Ranger rail, you know, it's maybe a 48 inch rail. Mm-hmm. And there's one little stand in the middle for a little extra support. You just mount that on the boat and then you can move that. You have a little more freedom to move those things around as to where you want them. But, you know, once they're tightened on, there's four bolts. It's not something you want to do every time. You know, I see some of these guys, I, I see some people doing some crazy things that it's not just an easy, quick setup. Like, Oh, let's go trolling. Well, let's get this out and let's clamp this on here and let's do this and let's do that. You know, I've, I've seen people and I've been in their boat. <laughs> hey, let's go trolling. And they're actually pulling out two by fours and screwdrivers and yes. they, and they are mounting stuff on their casting deck that they have pre-drilled yep. holes and all this. And I'm like, th- that was, like, that was the common way to do it. You know, a board that went all the way across the boat, across mm-hmm. the back and you could put, you had four rod overs on there and you maybe didn't have it up all the time, but you got that thing out. You set it down there. You reattached it. And the, all those permanent things were mounted on there, but then you could take it off and clean it if you wanted to cast. Yeah. So I'm going to give a little tip that my father told me many years ago that I live by. If you're doing something and in your mind, you say, there's got to be an easier way of doing this. There probably is. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, we, we, that day that I was with this person, we actually had a fish and you know, we, we caught a fish with trolling with this insane setup and, you know, while cleaning weeds and stuff, it was, it was, I, I just, I, I saw this and I'm like, this is too much effort because you had yeah. to like climb out of this cockpit area, get on the casting deck, bend over down essentially to your ankles to grab a rod. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, this, this isn't the way to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's barrier enough for me. So I guess what I'm saying is. So you were in, you were probably in like a bass. It bass was, it was a, a bass style boat. I wouldn't call it a yeah. full out bass boat, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, they don't lend well to trolling. There's nothing you can do. They don't, it's not. Well, they don't, they don't lend well, but I, don't. I did set up a boat this summer mm-hmm. that, you know how I said you bend down to your ankles. Yeah. We made 18-inch risers for this customer. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. could he could step on the back. And, yeah, he had to bend over a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he literally had, like, the Cadillac of trolling systems here because yep. he, he, he wanted this boat to do everything well. So mm-hmm. we we made it work well for him. Can be done, yeah. It, but it, it was interesting. So... You know, if you're looking at buying a boat and you even think that you might troll, keep that in the back of your mind because you can cast out of just about anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's suckier to troll out of a boat that doesn't lend well than it does to yeah. cast out of a boat that, you know, you would equally say doesn't lend well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
okay, we, we talked about rod position and, um, oh yeah. Okay. So what we, we never finished. What, what's the big thing that made you switch to the AZs over your fish on system? Well, it was just cl- cleaning all that up. So, you know, I had those rails mounted and I had the base, the base that the rod holders went in. They were on there all the time. The Clearly time, that would know, never had, get in your way. Yeah. Yeah. So you have four, you know, I had four little grab rails through. Yeah. I had, I had four. Yeah. Because I had three down each side and I had a couple that I would, I had a couple positioned out the very back that I could put one right out the chute, right behind, you know, around like a prop wash rod. And, uh, the nice thing about this, uh, track system that's becoming, you know, by far the most popular rather than mounting some permits of the boat. I mean, you put the big piece of track there, go with the biggest piece of track that you feel comfortable that you can get things in and out with, because now your positions are limitless mount that thing and uh when it's time to if you're casting i can strip that down in like 15 seconds per side yeah you can clear all your rod holders out Mm -hmm. and there's nothing in the way it's a flat you have a flat piece that's three quarters of an inch high by three and a half inches wide laying flat on your gunnel um, on my old Ranger, I had two foot rails that came with the boat and I put three, uh, down East rail mounts onto it. And mm-hmm. I thought I was the cat's meow. And then when I started to net fish and my net was getting caught in those rod holders, cause it was too much work to take them off. Yep. It just, it, it, it finally was time to go with a track. Um, yeah. But and they're they're on there all the time. I mean, it's it's not that they're, <laughs> yeah, it's just something in the way. You know, you can you can strip it down and make it real nice and clean. That's very important. I do it as we're, I do it while we're landing fish. Sometimes, like, it just happened the other day. You know, the fish, I could tell. You know, I got the rods cleared. It hit one of the boat rods. Took a lot of line. Got the rods cleared. I kept the planer boards out there, and you know, this fish was coming in. It was a nice fish. I'm, I'm getting back there, getting ready to net it. I was like, well, while I'm waiting, I just reached on, turned to turn the thumb screw. Poop, poop. I stripped those two rod holders off mm-hmm. because, because I do, I still get, you still have to worry about that. You know, I hold the net in my hand. I try to do everything, but you know, the fish don't always just come right to the net and you end up saying, okay, I'm going for it. You drop the net. No, I'm not going for it. You pull it back up. Now it's caught in a rod holder, you know? Uh, so I'll take the time just to strip that out of there. And it, uh, it takes two seconds, mm-hmm. two turns, boom, slide it right out the back. I don't put the stoppers, you know, they have a stopper in the back. Yes. Uh, like a little, so the, so your track comes, there's different, t- some of them have like a little plate that stops them. Some have a little Allen set screw that stops them. I do not put that in so that, so I can do that. So I can take it out the back. Uh, haven't lost a rod holder yet. You know, that slid out. If you're, if your wing nuts tight, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So um, yeah, what, what to clear it up a little bit, what Todd's talking about is you get a section of track. Um, you can put the rod holder, slide it in from the front to the back or from the back to the front. The, the track manufacturers offer different stops to where you can put 
some kind something to block the back. So people yeah. get worried that their rod holder might travel back or become loose and go out the back and kerplunk in the water. And I mean, I have the stops in mind just for peace of mind, but you know, what Todd is, Todd is saying is you tighten the, the thumb screw that holds, that locks the rod holder in place. It ain't going to move. I have never had one move and I've been now seven years in, uh, yeah, it's, it's there. not going to happen. It's not going to come out. Yeah. So, so when you need to clear rods real quick, you can, you can boom, boom, two, two thumb screws, one thumb screw, slide it out the back, which might only be a foot of, of movement with your arm. And then you can go set it down on the deck or in a storage compartment. And then yep. you, you can clear a side real quick that netting fish is easier. Leaning over the boat is easier to do whatever you got to do in the net. It's, it's, it's a very convenient system. So I guess, okay. So from there you have with the track, you have infinite position front to back. Yep. And you just, and I move it around according to where people are sitting. You know, if I just have two people, I run that one down rod back a little bit further and then I run, you know, I spread them out a little bit more. Uh, if I have someone sitting in a jump seat, I bump it forward a little bit. So I'm, so it's not like, it's not, it's not a rigid setup, mm-hmm. a big flexibility. Yep. You have four or five foot piece of track, whatever I have down the side of the boat. And then, you know, you can move those around. I have different placements where I put them and now I know where, where they're going and things, but, uh, yeah, just really nice to be able to clean it up. You know, some guys be like, oh, geez, well, we're going to troll. You got to set all this up. I was like, turn around, you know, start handing me these poles. I'm going to have this thing set up by the, t- <laughs> the time you can hand me the rods, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes me longer to get the rods out of the rod storage than it does to put rod holders on. I can tell you that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I'd definitely agree. Way longer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that was the big thing is we we have a very robust system that we, you know, the, the AZ rod holders, whole bunch of different base options that, that offer a lot of flexibility there. Um, you know, just I'm going to say like for the musky guy, like something that's kind of creeping on the scene, not, not necessarily like super recently, but like the tubes. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing, and, and, and the sales are indicating this too, a lot of guys are really enjoying the tubes for um, their board rods. And, you know, we were talking before the show about, you know, possible changes to your setup here, mm-hmm. you know, next year and stuff like that. I mean, do you feel a tube has an advantage over just like what we're running a clamshell down east um, when it comes to those planer boards? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, the, the tube is one-handed operation. You can just let it out, and you can reach down, and you can just I can just reach over and shove it down in that tube. Where the other one, you know, the clamshell, I got to, I got to, you got to play with it. You got to lift it up. You got to make sure it's in position. You know, I'm used to doing it, but you know, you can't believe what guys try to do and trying to getting it in the position. You know, uh, you got to lift that clamshell up, set the reel in there, boom, and set it down in. And guys have a hard time getting them out. You know, I can explain it. I, there, there's excitement that happens when the fish hits. And if you just go over there and start reefing up on that and there's a fish feeling drag, 
you can't get it out of you can't get it out of the rod holder. It's pinched in there. Yeah, there there is a tension that is put the on the tension. lock system. Yes. Yes. And you, you it's just uh I can sit there and explain it. I had guys there two weekends ago that I explained it. And they fished with me a long time. They were used to the old fish ons putting them in and out. And he still says to this day, he's like, these rod holders are questionable, man. And I, <laughs> I, you know, and, and I'll sit there and watch him and he's back there trying to get it out. And then he turns and looks at me with big eyes. And I'm like, you need me to get it out for you. Yes. All you have to do is push. It doesn't matter if it's a, I've never caught a 50 pounder, but it doesn't matter if it's a 40 pounder pulling drag, like you can't believe you just grab the butt of the rod and just push it towards the back of the butt a little bit. That thing pops right out of there, but you have to push back on the, on the handle. So the tube is just it's a tube. You shove it down in, it's ready to go. One thing I always, Andy, Andy did this for me. I hated tubes. You know, you, you slow down and you make an inside turn and a little bit of pressure comes off it and your reel spins. Like you're, you're, it spins in the tube. So always it, drives me crazy. Yeah. The tube would, since you're putting the rod butt in, there was always an end cap or something to, to have the, the, the rod just sit in there and not locate anywhere. And with, you have a big reel and you might put that reel. So it's, the reel is straight up to the sky. Yes. Well, but it doesn't stay that way. No, it, it, gravity <laughs> doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. All of us yes. will succumb to gravity someday. Yes. And when that does, your reel goes down. So what mm-hmm. happens when it goes down? What's the big deal, Todd? Yeah, it just drives me crazy. I can't, you know, the reels turn sideways. It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be up. And I know the, I know, I already have the right amount of line out, but it drives me crazy when that reel is not horizontal to the side of the boat. And uh, I adamantly made told andy you got to cut me a little <laughs> you got to cut me a little slot in there now they work they work perfect all he did was cut a little u-shape out of there boom when i slide it in that reel sits right into that little slot reel doesn't turn i can be sitting there or standing and i can look over and i still see that i have 150 feet out on that planer board rod uh i know it's not changing but there's the occasional time that we get it like a rip mm-hmm like oh, oh, oh. and it'll happen so quick that i'm like i don't know which one it was on mm-hmm. and i can glance over i can glance over and look at the playing board real quick and i i, I always you know i always keep an even number so i'm like okay i was at 100 that reel now says 102 it hit that one because i didn't catch which rod mm-hmm. fish hit yeah so i know without having to go turn i just think it's i when, when the reel is like facing the back of the boat or facing the front of the boat it just looks like it's going to fall out of there for me. And when I go, when I go with people that have the regular tubes, uh, I, I just am always, you know, whatever my side of the boat is, whatever, I'm always over there turning the reel, turning the reel. So I, so it's upright, you know, the way I feel it's supposed to be. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. There's nothing there's wrong, anything. nothing wrong, with, nothing it, wrong but, with it. But yeah, our, our tube is, is a little bit designed different. So when, when I, you know, two minutes ago described like the tube, how the, the, the rod butt will bottom out in the tube and there's nothing mm-hmm. really there. Our tube is straight through. And so you could have a rod butt that is three foot long. As long as you yeah. have clearance inside your boat, it'll go through the tube. And we have this like little 
fish mouth cut into it that indexes off the real seat. And it, it holds it very nicely. So there is no bottoming out. It's your reel that, that is done. And, you know, this is not like a, I'm not going to ever set up a Lake Erie charter boat for walleye using this stuff because that's not as important to them as it is to us. Mm-hmm. But it is it is a slight little difference there that, that kind of lends like why I'm saying we're probably the premier rod holder setup, you know, there is for musky fishing. Um, a whole bunch of other companies, great. They make great, great stuff. Um, it's great for walleye and salmon. It's, it's okay for, for muskies. Um, mm-hmm. so there's just some, some little things like that because, you know, I, I'm, I'll admit it. I'm partially insane and I'm a guy that always likes to look at my gauges, you know, from when I was riding, you know, the crotch rockets that bled into the trucks. Now the boat, I am constantly checking every gauge. I need to see the status of everything. And like what Todd was talking about for me, if I look back at the rods, I want to be able to see the counters. I need to know, I need constant feedback from all that stuff. And when I see that rod go and it goes sideways or, or down, I don't know where you're at. And, and you know, it, it, is it the end of the world? No, it isn't. But, that's that's part of the reason why we we did this like we did. Um, so I mean that's just an interesting thing. Just in the last handful of years, I've seen a lot more tubes hitting the market for the muskie trolling, and it's almost, you know, I'm going to say it's like a bleed over from the Great Lakes fishing. It's extremely effective, and it's it's really neat to make your boat, you know, hundred two hundred feet wide, doing these big trolling passes, and it 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 takes a lot of skill to drive a boat. When you're pulling a board, um, even those inline boards, when I was going down the Creek and, and I had my buddy Tim with me and he would, he would run his side and he'd put that board way out. And he's just like, Hey, just be careful with this one out there. I'm like, this Creek is like a hundred feet wide. Why did you set the board 40 feet off your side? It's going to stop our six rod spread. And I'm going to then going to have to figure out how we're going to bring these all in to go back and get this bait off a log or a stump yeah. or something. Yeah. But I mean, surprisingly yeah. I got decent on my section of Creek because I just out of frustration of not wanting to go back and catch, get a snag undone. It it's, it's a weird thing driving a boat, even on a, on a weed line, trying to avoid snags, that you don't even know if they're there. You know the proximity of where they're going to be or a weed bed, and you're trying to accurately bring a board line right around through them. If, if you're going off of like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to run three rods off the passenger side, but I'm going to keep the driver's side right on the weed line, and you're driving that weed line. Of course, your, your rods are more than likely going to stay clean because they're out in deeper water. But put the boat in deeper water and try to run a, a, a brake line accurately with a board rod it's it's extremely challenging and frustrating because your your sense of depth perception at looking at the surface of the water you don't know you have an idea where you think it is but you eventually become better than average and your boat handling skills just it 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 it's a neat thing when you do it long enough if you put up with the insanity um Todd, do you ever try to hug lines tight like that, or you just stay in the safe zone? 
Yeah, I mean, I do. And I'll tell you, you know, there's oftentimes that board is uh, is hindering. They're, we'll put it this way. There's times when we're not doing well or something and the fish are tucked in real tight to the weeds. And I'll pull the board because I would rather take my four rod spread, down rod, side rod, and pull right in there and watch that, watch my screen, see that depth starting to come up. Boom, make a quick turn. Turn out the deep water. Turn out the deep water, and I know where my lures are running. But now I'm putting like, you know, I look at it at that point when you're just taking the width of your boat and these rods, you're putting like three, four of those lures right on that area you're trying to hit. Rather than judging this one board rod sitting out there way off the boat. I mean, the other thing I'll do is reel that board rod in real tight. You know, I know with side imaging, you can see how far it is out you know the, the the track lends well to at no matter which way you're doing it, it whether you're running an inline board or you're running the big board system because once again you can place those rod holders wherever you want you know mm-hmm. if i have two of them on my if i have a the big board system and my uh you know i place them differently you know i can just you just tighten them down wherever you can go with the tree thing uh yeah, it's endless because everything fits into those tracks. Right. And it can be cleaned up and you can change. Let's go walleye fishing tomorrow. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put these like this today. You I'll, know? I'll run <laughs> I'll it. run three tubes yeah. on a side versus two down east yes. of the tube. Yes, I'm going to run three tubes because I'm running. I've gone with guys. We were running three of those inline boards for walleyes before off each side of the boat. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have it positioned a little different. And then we just have a dipsy diver off the back corner, but it just lends well to just changing. Yeah. There's a level of flexibility mm-hmm. with it, with a track system. Um, if anyone hasn't picked up yet, we are pushing track systems like hard yeah. because it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's a very versatile, versatile thing. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So, that's kind of like the rod holder overview. Any questions, you know, reach out to me, but let's talk about bait selection. Is there, is there something that you like to do with, with your down rod, your out rod and your board rods? Typically like how, how do your baits fall in to different categories? Is there like, typically you put this style of bait here, this, this, and that. Oh, for sure. I mean, now you're going to have other guys that would tell you something different. I'm just doing what has worked for me. You know, whatever I, my deepest running bait, whatever bait is the deepest running, not, not, it doesn't even have to be the one that I'm running the deepest, but the deepest running bait, the one that's going to get down the quickest, I put that in the back down rod position. So I might only have 10 feet of line out on it, but it's down, it's down and out of the way. Side rod, I do whatever with, and the planer board, you know, when I'm running these inline boards, you just have to watch. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm putting baits that don't pull real hard. That's the biggest thing there. And you know, I'm, I, I'm, I know the reason why, but why would you not want to put a big, giant, hard-pulling bait on a board? Yeah, I mean, some of them, obviously, they just can't take the speed, especially when you make turns and things like that. It just drags that board way back behind. Uh, the board is less it'll drag the board underwater yeah the board is less effective so i i always run very light pulling uh baits on those planer boards just so they keep my spread out you know you also at times like to put the most erratic bait in your setup 
out there because then on that board, yes. You know, so yes. the the interesting thing with it with an inline board is you can let out two feet a line, you can let out two hundred feet a line, then you clip the board on and you let the board out, and you can let the board out five hundred feet if you want. You could let the board yes. out twenty feet. So and and this is a concept that's that some people have a hard time grasping. They don't understand and I, I don't I don't get it. I you know, I try to I, I explain it all the time in the boat with guys. They're like, well, man, you have like 150 feet out on there. Yeah, but I have I have 50 feet on a lure, and then I have 100 feet out. And they're like, well, how do you know how far to let that out? And just as Andy just said, I can let it out as far as I want. Yeah, the, the Especially, tie point. I still have 50. The tie point, it, the 50 foot where you put the board on is exactly where the 50 foot is off the tip of your rod. Mm-hmm. I can let it out 300 more feet if I want. It would be hard to even see it out there. <laughs> or I can just let it, I can just let it out, which I do this a lot too. When I'm trying to get in tighter to structure, I let it out where I'm watching I'm like, okay, that's a bot. So I try to keep the distance. I see my down rod is here. I'm running an eight and nine, nine foot St. Croix out the side. So, you know, you have a, you have spacing there. Sometimes I just have that board let out not very far at all, just so it's out past that one. But now all three, you know, out past another, the outrod, just 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 not past the outrod enough that those two are not going to get tangled. Uh, but that's your pivot point, you know, that you, you can let out whatever amount of line you want out, wherever deep you want that lure. Which is why I said early in the podcast talking about it, it's so much more scientific. Like how much line you letting out, how deep are they going? And, it, you know, people are like, how do, how, how do you know how deep those are? Well, that's just that's trial and error. You know, and, you know, it's guesswork when you come into the wooden baits because I can grab two of the same bait from the same bait maker and I can look at it. But I know my tackle box is able. That one goes a lot deeper than this one. You know, I, I know it does. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the lip, the density of the wood, whatever. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, and, you know, the, the odd thing is people talk about, well, you know, what do you do in the spring? What do you do in the fall? What do you do? I'm running the same baits all year. Line length is the only factor that's making a big difference. I really run the same lures all season long. It's the occasional, you know. You, you throw a wild card in once in a while. You throw a wild card. You throw a big deep diver in when I'm not going to be running a perch bait when i'm springtime fishing in eight feet of water you know what i'm saying right uh but i do run a lot of perch baits or the fat wily fat bodies or the blue water bait or whatever any of the big deep diving crank baits you know the big seven inch base seven half inch baker i'm i, I don't I, I don't use them when i'm fishing and I'm, I'm springtime fishing and i'm going from eight into four feet and and doing the zigzag in there i don't bother with something like that but uh Essentially, I'm running the same lures the whole time. It's just, do I have 10 feet out? Do I have 80 feet out? Do I have 90 feet out? Do you have 20 feet out? You know, mm-hmm. that's the big, that's the big, uh, that's the big factor that drives people crazy too, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I just, you know, I've talked about recently on the show how I thinned out the herd. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the other day, uh, my wife and I, we went out for like a half hour, 45 minute troll, drive the boat, make sure the stable's getting through the fuel system kind of thing. And I grabbed the same baits that I grabbed 
a month and a half ago when we went and I probably will grab the same baits again. Yeah. I could probably cut that herd down to 20 baits instead mm-hmm. of, I mean, and I cut it way back mm-hmm. and it's, it's still one of those, like, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm, I get in my mind that I like these colors and that's just what it's going to be regardless yeah. of anything. If you guys told yep. me they were, they're biting on whatever straight yellow, I'd probably still put out the dumb colors that I like. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, probably not smart but yeah. that's just what i do <laughs> yeah yeah yep and and you know something to think about when you're setting up your boat i mean if you're just getting into trolling and this is new to you you know but the, the, the other thing that, that i get a lot of is uh well you know when i go trolling if i if i try to run more than two rods we, we're just getting tangled well i can tell you that you know you need to get w- with time that's going to change for you it's all in the way those baits are tuned. Now, if you're going to be running a headlock that walks all around or something, okay, I understand. Uh, but, you know, I, I did this. You can do the same system out of a 12-foot aluminum boat with bench seats because I did it for years. You can run your down rod, and you can run your side rod, and you can run your planer board rod. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to do that in time, you know, you're gonna have to get comfortable with it. And it comes down to how long, how hard you want to work at it. You know, there's days advance and I do nothing but reel in weeds. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're fighting them the whole time, even though they're getting on the, even though we got everything tipped down or on the rods. And, uh, that's why I don't choose to run the, uh, I don't choose to run the big board system because you can't really, I got to have guys on board with me on the same page and know how to run this stuff because when you're running those big boards you cannot just shut this program down when you have a fish on so right now my situation is when the fish hits i have to keep the boat going straight i have to clear some rods the fish is on i have to net the fish i have to unhook the fish i have to pick the fish up with the measure a lot of times i'm holding for the picture with the person you know and then i got to release the fish and we're, we're doing all this and with that big board system, you have to keep the, if I just shut down and that boat turns to a 90 degree angle, we are done for like a half hour. I've done it. Yeah. We I, are, we are tangled. You know, you have the main big cord going over the side of the boat. I've done it numerous times, you know, get a big fish on somewhere and I'm like, screw it. We're landing this fish. And it's a long time. You have, baits hanging off there that are floating they're tangled you got to crank everything in and you got to start from scratch uh yeah so that I, inl- I, inline board i can just play with it if the fish is going out that way i i open the bail often i'll just open the bail let that thing just boop, 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 sail out a little further okay it's clear now click it over i can reel it back in real quickly but uh yeah real quick i guess i didn't explain like the difference between inline boards and what we call big boards Big boards are, they are pulled from a thicker main line that's attached to the boat, generally to a mast in the front of the boat, and that you then put a, you, you put a rod, a line on a release, and the release is on some kind of a slide mechanism. You attach it to that cord line that's connected from the mast to the, to the big board, and you, you open up the bale and you let it slide down this line, kind of like a zip line. 
and then you you uh, lock the bale, and that's where the line is held. And you can have that big board out 200 feet, and as long as you can see where your release is, you can have that thing 200 feet off the side of your boat. You know, mm-hmm. I I love it for Lake Erie, but I've done it inland. It's an exercise in frustration, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you want to have you know, it, it stabilizes the boat. There's a, there's some huge benefits to it. There's a, also a lot of like grief that can happen very quickly. You get something bad that happens and you can wipe out three, four, five, six lines real quick. And it's just a nightmare. Like, yeah. like what Todd was talking about. Yeah. You can't turn as sharp. You can't make, and, uh, you know, I, and I love doing it because the neat thing about those are uh, which is all, this is all stuff that we talk about in the charters. When that happens, you're, it, it, it's basically on like a downrigger release. So when the fish hits, it pops that line off, pops the line. You'll oftentimes I could, I could see them. I'd be driving or whatever. And I see the mass, bam, slide to the side and I'm like fish. And there's a delay because it's got to catch up. There's a little bit of slack line, but then, then the rod goes out, Woo-hoo-hoo. you know, now you're just fighting fish with a, you don't have to fight this board in, which I know a lot of guys that hate those inline boards. And we absolutely lose a few more fish on those because of trying to keep the, you got to reel that board in and I got to unhook it. Uh, but that board also is sweeping all this debris we're dealing with. There's lots of times there's weeds on that board, but I can still see that lure vibrating. Whereas these other rods uh, this line that's just going in the water on a downrigger release on the big main board line. It's just like putting a rod outside the boat, and not tip, tipping it in the water. Yep. You're, you're going to be reeling that thing in when you're getting into weedy situations. It can get very frustrating. Like I said, I mean, I enjoy doing it. I come up here with friends and, and guys that know the procedure and we'll do it. But man, we are reeling that thing in all the time. Weeds, there's weeds in that one. Weeds, boom, boom, boom. You got to reel that in, hook it back up, do that. I can't do it all. I don't have the option of having a first mate on my boat. <laughs> yeah, and, and a mass system, that's where I was going with, with this, is you're going to become a very good driver with a mast. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone's got to be driving, yeah. <laughs> you got to have someone there to keep track of stuff. You're, you offer a lot more flexibility with those inline boards. Um, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's just, there, there's a whole host of options that you can do off each of each rod position. They, there's just typical, um, things that you tend to do with each rod position. But in that there's a lot of wiggle room, what you can do, you know, you can run, uh, on a down rod, you can run shallow baits deeper on a down rod, if you have eight foot of rod sticking out from your from your rod holder, you jam that thing in the water, you might have a bait that, that goes, say, three feet deep. But if you put the rod in the water seven, eight feet, you could get that little bait that doesn't go deep, deep now, because you're yeah. you're mechanically putting it under the water. Mm-hmm. You know, so that offers some flexibility on shallow divers. You can also do that with real hard deep diving baits, like what Todd just said. He run the ten feet back. And if you have the rod tip three foot in the water, it's 10 foot back. That bait still could be six, seven feet deep. Yes. And and now it's it's not in the way of anything. You know, you can kind of do the same with that out rod. You can run, you can run a deep diver, say 25 foot back, and it might be the same depth as the one that's at 10 foot back. You can run it 80 or 100 feet back on a 
you know, a shallower bait that might get a little bit deeper than, you know, normal line lengths of 40 or 50 feet. A board, you know, you can, on an inline board or a mass system, you can run a crazy, crazy bait four or five, six feet behind that board, and it's just going to go nuts back there. You can run it 200 feet back like you're fishing Lake Erie. Um, You can run a good, like a, a perfect straight as an arrow running true bait with the leader out and bring it over a weed bed. You, if you know that yeah. weed bed is say six feet from the surface, you know, this bait's only going to go down a couple feet at say, I don't know, pick your, pick your distance, choke it up, send that board right over top of the weeds. See what the heck happens. Yep. So th- there's, there's all of that. And then like uh, another thing I think I want to hit on before I want to, you know, kind of corral this one in is Todd brought up that the outside rod. So if you're turning left, the right side of the boat, those rods speed up just because they're, it's now you're kind of doing a radius here. The outside rods speed up. The inside rods slow down. So inside the corner, those rods sometimes will go slack. And you can watch the bait sitting up top on the surface if you're taking a hard enough turn. The ones on the outside could be doubling the boat speed. And if you put, oh, yeah. if you put one on a board that's now 40 feet off the side of the thing... That thing is just zipping line like it has a marlin on it. It's, you know, the line's cutting through the waves. That little board's jumping all over the place. Yeah. You know, that's where some of this stuff comes into where you might, if you have a a big, huge, crazy walking bait, one or two baits on a side is good. But if you got two or three of these things and that all of a sudden goes from four miles an hour and it just cranks up to seven, eight miles an hour, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And you can clear lines and stuff like that, but I mean, you can just wipe out a whole side, and then you're mad, and then you're going to say, "I hate this," and you want to sell everything. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, I'm that way. You know, a tangle is a, a tangle to me is a mess up. I hate tangles, and mm-hmm. yes, I do get some tangles. But uh, you know, if you're saying you can't do this, I mean, I can go six days in a row without a tangle. Sometimes longer than that. You know. I can probably count the major tangles I've had on. Now we're going to run into some now. Leaves are an issue when you're trolling Mm -hmm. because the leaves will slide down the line. And then those rods that are tipped down in the water, that leaf can hit the, when it slides down your line, hits the bill, that bait, it can even, I mean, it can make your big deep diving bait start taking a 45 degree angle to the side that's where you get into the tangle so leaves leaves are always an issue the big weeds are an issue usually that's what it is but man if you're getting tangled all the time you're not in a real weedy situation you got to stop reevaluate get those baits tuned because it should do no there's no reason it should be happening yeah and let's let's end it real quick on boat speed yeah do you I already know what your answer is. Do you buy, do you put boat speed to your baits or do you buy baits for your ideal boat speed? I buy the baits that will take the speed that I want to travel. Yes. Yep. Yep. What's, what's your, what's your speed you like to travel? Does it change much from spring, summer, fall? I mean, a little, you know, we, I, when things aren't going well, I definitely slow down in the fall. You know, I, do, I, I never slow down to that two mile an hour range, but, uh, you know, I'll slow down a little bit. And I tell the guys this all the time, we guys will bring their own lures. You know, you take the, the, 
the famous believer, the jointed believer, the swim whiz or something. Great baits. I've used to catch a lot of muskies on them. But if you want to crank down, if you want to put that thing on a board and go, you know, a steady four and a half miles an hour and you take a turn, that's, there's just one out of 10 will stay underwater. You can do all the tuning you want. So, and vice versa, you take a giant 12-inch Wiley, uh, one of his big Kowalskis, and you slow down and go two miles an hour with it. That thing is like a couple feet under the surface. It's not doing what it should be doing. It's just sort of blop, 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 you know, so buoyant. So I run baits that will take speed that I want to run. If I'm going to slow down, if you want to be a guy that wants to troll at that three, 3.5, you can, you, you're going to want to run different baits than what I'm running. And you can, you can do that. There's nothing wrong. I'm not saying that the fish don't hit like that. I choose not to do it anymore. Uh, so those baits are not in my boat. They're hanging in the basement in the museum. Yep. There you have it. So rule of thumb is you're, you like four miles an hour. That's about where you four, four and a half. That's your sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Four plus four plus. I like it. All right. Is there anything else you want to kind of add to this basic overview? Man, no, I mean, it's just trolling can be very, uh, <laughs> trolling can get very frustrating too but you have to remember like when we go trolling and i do this often you got we'll cast till noon no fish you guys are like okay let's take a break let's troll for a little bit i'll set six poles out and it's now twelve forty-five, and they're like wow i can't believe we didn't catch one yet hmm. i mean you you have six poles out there like, yeah, they don't come that easy, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's fishing also. You got to remember how much time you're putting into each method. Uh, mm -hmm. It's kind of odd. It's kind of odd when I hear that, but I do hear that. Boy, they're, they're just not hitting. It's like, you got to give me a little more time than this, you know. Right. I, I think that I really liked, like, when you explained it to me way back in the day, that when you're casting 50% of the time, your bait is in the water. When you're mm -hmm. trolling with, you know, so 50% of the time, one bait is in the water. Mm -hmm. If you're trolling alone and you have three baits in the water, you have six times the amount of presentation in an hour than you would yep. casting. Yes. Yep. And even with those numbers and those odds, personally, I'd still want to rather cast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I get it, you know, because at the end of the day, so if we're running six poles and we have a six fish day, you come in, we had six fish. That's great. That's one, one fish per pole. It's not hard to go casting and have a three fish day. You got three on that one pole. I'm not saying it's always the most, uh, it can be more efficient when you start adding lines. We'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. I like it. All right. Let's wrap this one up. Big thanks to Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com, St. Croix Rods, Best Rods on Earth, Muskies, Inc. Go join your local chapter. Uh, Vicks Marine and Sports Center, Ranger Boats, Fatty Z Muskie Products, Baker Baits, 
and Musky Max Plus, March 7th and 8th. There you have it. It's wrapping up October. Get out there, bang some fish, baby, and good luck fishing.